This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Earlier this week, I was listed as doubtful. This morning, as recently as this morning, I was listed as questionable. Yet here we are. Somehow, my voice is all the way back. Lost my voice yet again over the weekend. I need to go see some sort of throat specialist. Third time in the last year that I've lost my voice. Maybe I just talk too much, which nobody would doubt. But my voice is now back. We are back. It is Scoop Podcast episode 135. There's all sorts of Vikings notes to get to, which we will. I will remind you, if you are a somewhat avid listener of the Scoop Podcast, I'd love for you to be a religious listener of the Scoop Podcast. We've had a bunch of good guests on the last handful of episodes from draft prospects Frank Ragnow of Chen in High School, to Jake Weinicke, wide receiver, Maple Grove High School, South Dakota State University, Ragnow, the University of Arkansas. So those interviews still have legs leading into the draft. We had Thad Levine of the Twins on last week. Now, granted, that was before the Jorge Polanco suspension, but interestingly enough, I brought up Polanco's name to Thad. At that point, Thad Levine did not know about Polanco's pending 80-game suspension, but we talked a bunch of big-picture twin season stuff. So if you're into the twins, Thad Levine is always entertaining, and any number of guests going back the last handful of weeks. We will also start this podcast with a guest. I'll get to that in a second. But first, love for Indochino. Guys, if you're looking for a new suit, please consider Indochino. Online, Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Or they have a showroom, Mall of America, first floor. If you park in the east parking ramp, you walk in, turn left. It's not that far from there. I know that because I was at the Mall of America before I got sick, before I lost my voice, checking out the showroom at Indochino. I got fitted for a new suit. There are so many things that go into a suit. And heck, being on TV, I've worn suits forever. I mean, going back any number of years, but I never really realized all that entails the making of a suit, how you can customize a suit to your liking. There are so many details that Indochino will go over with you. They are highly thought of. Just do this. Google Indochino reviews. You will see tremendous reviews all across the internet. Indochino is known for making big time suits. And guess what? If you use the promo code SCOOP at checkout, SCOOP at checkout, you can do that online or if you buy a suit in the store, they will ask you at the very end if you have a promo code. If you use the promo code SCOOP, you get any premium Indochino suit for just $379. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits, they make shirts to your exact measurements for a tremendous Fit. You get to pick your fabric, you choose your customizations, you submit your measurements if you're doing it online, you wait for your custom suit to arrive in just a few weeks. I'm telling you, Indochino makes such nice suits, and you can get a nice suit for just $379 by using the promo code SCOOP. Check them out, Mall of America or online, Indochino.com. All right, let's start with an interview before we get to notes. Let's start with the big news of the week. Don Lucci, after 19 years, done as the Gophers head coach. He's a good friend of the podcast. He's been on before. He is the associate head coach of the Gophers. He is a longtime friend, a longtime colleague of Don Lucia's. He is Mike Gensel. Mike also played for the Gophers. When you think about all the years that he has devoted to the University of Minnesota between coaching and playing, I'm not quite sure anybody bleeds maroon and gold. 
pride on ice, all that, more than Mike Genzel. So Mike certainly wants to be in the mix to take over for Don Lucia, and Mike is nice enough to give us some time. Before we get to Don, let's just go back to last weekend. Like, what were the chances of you guys not making the NCAA field of 16? I mean, I was in the office on Saturday, and I'm seeing result after result, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys might not make the field of 16, then all of a sudden, it was official late Saturday. You guys were out. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I've never gone anything through like that before. I mean, it was it was really odd the way it worked out. I mean, we had practice last Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, and you follow the scores on Friday night. And the one score that I thought didn't do us a lot of good was Cornell losing right away because they were the number one seed in their conference tournament. But they lost, but that... Uh, that meant there could be a potential upset in their tournament, and lo and behold, that's what happened. But when we left the rink at 1 o'clock on Saturday, Coach Lucia had told the players uh, three games we had to worry about were North Dakota Duluth, uh, Clarkson in, uh, in Princeton, and then uh, the BU-Providence uh, game. Well, the North Dakota game went our way right away, and I thought we would have to wait it out until 10, 10, 15, and we'd just be sweating right to the end there. But that game seemed to go our way, and I thought it was over. And then... I actually went downstairs. I, I couldn't watch that game. I mean, I was just so uptight and nervous oh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, you're stressed out. But I went downstairs when I, I found, I finally checked my phone and there was a minute and a half to go in the game and North Dakota won. So I wrapped up what I was doing outside and went downstairs and sat down. And then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes later, I looked at my phone and just kind of wanted to get an update of what was going on. And I saw, you know, that uh, there was a one scenario out of 64 that would knock us out. And that would be if the six tournaments went the way they did on Saturday night. And I just, I mean, there was a 98.2% certainty at 6.15 that we were in, unless these six games turned out that way, and they did. And, you know, that 1.8% uh, came true and knocked us out of the tournament. And did I see, based on the pairwise rankings, you guys missed by, like, point zero 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 one. Yeah, one thousandth of a point. And that's, uh, you know, it's crazy. It, it's uh you know, in the first game, we played Duluth up there and lost in overtime. And lo and behold, they beat us by a thousandth of a point. I mean, that could have turned that result. Even if he would have tied, you know, that game and not lost in overtime. But, I mean, it just it, it goes back to telling you when you talk to your players all year long, I mean, what a small margin of error, a fine line there is on, you know, whatever, practice details, uh, you know, a shootout attempt uh, that goes, you know, awry or, you know, not bearing down on a backdoor tap-in uh you know, turning the puck over and overtime, whatever it may be, um, you know, those are the things that come back. And it's just, it's a really, I bet you next year when you talk to the, the returning team, you'll have their full attention because they'll understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I remember that Duluth result. Like, you would have never guessed that result would play in many months later. Didn't you guys lose a game in overtime in Michigan? Like, I'm thinking if you guys tie that game, that game isn't a loss in overtime. I mean, just so many different scenarios where if one thing went differently throughout the course of the season, Mike, you guys would have been in. Yeah, we had uh, actually in November when we were over in Michigan, one night we had a three-goal lead and lost in overtime, and the next night we had a four-goal lead and won in a shootout. You know, so if any one of those games, you know, the first night's a, a tie instead of a loss and the second night's a win instead of a shootout win, um, or, or you know, you, you're kind of a completely different fate. So, it is very, very close, and you know what we're disappointed about is obviously, uh, you know, we would have been in the tournament for the you know six of the last seven years, and it would have been a good scenario for Don as he moved on, and you know, give us another chance to take a run at the national championship. I do believe this year that the tournament's about as wide open as it could possibly get. I, I think there's some teams. I mean, we beat the number one seed, we beat the number two seed. I mean, 
we, we've had some success. We played 23 games against, you know, the teams that are in the tournament this year and out of our 38. So, I mean, we, we've done well against those teams, and it gives you the hope we could beat them. But I just think it's wide open. Anybody can win this year, and I don't know if you have a, a real uh, a clear answer who's going to win the whole thing today. I mean, this might sound goofy, Mike. Did you guys overschedule this year? I mean, hindsight being 2020, but was the schedule too challenging? You know what? We talk about that, Doogie, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, the one thing is, is, you know, we all know what the narrative around our program has been. The Big Ten has not been well-received, and but you look at it this year, I mean, if we would have won or got in the other night, that would have been five of the 16 teams came from our conference. That's uh, significant. Last year we had four of them, so a quarter of the tournaments from our league. It tells you how good our league has become, even though people don't want to always accept it. But what happens in our state, you know, like, we talked about it at one point in the year. I mean, we play St. Cloud, we play Duluth, we play North Dakota. Um, you know, these teams at one point in the pairwise were all in the top eight. But it's hard to get away from that because we need to play our state schools. It's good rivalries. It's good competition. Uh, you know, unfortunately, this year we played Clarkson and Harvard, who are permanently really good, strong programs. I mean, Harvard's in the field this year, or Clarkson's in the field this year. And, you know, when they came in, they were ranked seven overall in the country. So, I mean, yeah, we bit off a lot this year, but, uh, you know, I think our fans come to expect us to play a very, very competitive schedule, and, you know, we're not going to shy away from that. And as long as we have to continue to play the Minnesota schools and our conference is as strong as it is, I don't know how we avoid it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Big Ten was so good. It's it's just about unavoidable. On Don, Mike, when did you really get a sense that, that he was being genuine about, about, you know, really exploring, walking away? I mean, did you and him have conversations going back a number of weeks, a number of months, or... Heck, did you find out just shortly before we all did earlier in the week? No, Don and I had talks. I mean, obviously, uh, Don has given me a lot of uh, leadway in the program for the last seven years since I've been back. And, you know, we, we've done a lot of things hand-in-hand as far as, you know, the way we've fought and the way we've run the program. And, you know, Don's been great to work with, with that, you know, from that end of it. I, I had a sense, uh, I think in January, Don and I had a long talk about where our team was at after Michigan came in and swept us and, you know, we had just beaten St. Cloud the Sunday before and 2 nothing, and felt good about our team. And, you know, they were having a great year. And then, you know, five days later, we're getting swept by Michigan. And I just think it was a reflection time. And at that point, you know, I could, you know, sense that maybe Don was, you know, getting uh, these thoughts in his mind of, you know, maybe it was time. And, you know, the program is, you know, maybe a different direction, a different voice might be good sooner rather than later. And, I, I mean, I didn't think he was going to totally uh, walk out at the end of the year as fast as it happened but I I do know what was in his mind and I and we shared some thoughts and some ideas on you know where it was at so it wasn't a total surprise I just was surprised that it happened on Monday and uh, and it went down like it did as fast as it did how somber or how would you how would you classify the team meeting on Tuesday when when he announced to everybody that that he was stepping down well it was interesting Monday we had a, a season-ending meetings we normally do when we're done I mean we and I, I, I couldn't sense at that point. I think there was that was about as down as I've seen our, our room in a long time. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was the disappointment but how the thing worked out on Saturday night against us or if guys had, you know, some feelings or had been reading some of the, you know, message boards or following, you know, the social media that maybe there was an inkling that Don was, you know, maybe going to go down this road. I think there was some people maybe waiting on Monday to, to see if there was some finality to that situation when it didn't happen. And then got out on Tuesday, you know, I think it was obviously very quiet, but everybody came into that room on Tuesday and know, knew that Don was going to move on. And, you know, Don walked in and, uh, you know, it was right away, how are you doing, guys? And then, boom, I mean, it, 
the emotion took over. I mean, hey, it's over, and, you know, I've done this for 19 years. And, you know, just this message was, you know, appropriate to, you know, his experience there. And then I had uh, the opportunity to share, you know, my thoughts as far as, you know what, Doogie Don's the winningest coach in the history of the program, 457 mm-hmm. wins, and, you know, he's hung 15 banners in the mm-hmm. roof at Mariucci and um, two national championships. I mean, he's had a remarkable career. He's an Hall of Fame coach, and, you know, let's face it, he's a legend when it comes to go for hockey. He's one of the people that will always have his picture, you know, on the face of the program, and, and it should be that way. He's done a lot of good things there. I mean, nobody talks about our academics enough. I mean, we've graduated players. I mean, Don's been impeccable as far as his track record of making sure our, we recruit the right student-athletes and making sure that we represent the university and uh, in, the, in the most uh, utmost professional way that we can with class and dignity. And our, our kids have done that. Uh, we don't always win as many games at the end of the year as people would like, but as far as, you know, developing young men and developing, uh, you know, good hockey players, I think Don is, uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, that's an interesting point on, on academics. I mean, you're right. That is completely lost. I saw the release the other day. I think you guys have, what, 16 players with a GPA of three or better? I mean, by comparison, now you have more players, but, like, men's basketball has two. And that's not a knock on Patino. I don't think people realize the demands of, of a Division One athlete. That it's hard to maintain a really good performance in the classroom because there are so many demands when it comes to, you know, being in the weight room, team meetings, practice time, travel. There is so much that goes into that. But the fact that you guys have 16 players with a GPA of three or better is phenomenal. Yeah, you know what? I mean, hey, there's community outreach opportunities you have to participate in during the course of the year. And you know what? Let's. I mean, in hockey, you know, these kids start school on Labor Day, the following day after Labor Day. And they basically get about three and a half weeks in September to be just a student athlete at the, I mean, a student at the university. And then hockey starts on October 1st, and hockey goes till the end of March. And now we have a month. Um, and if you're successful, you go into mid-April. But basically, they're going to have another month at this back end of the year just to be a student again. So it's a lot of demands, as you said, on our schedule. And to have that kind of a record, I mean, hey, the, we had set the record this year, our highest G point. GPA in the first semester, which was the highest of any men's program on campus, and we take a lot of pride. We've got a tremendous academic coach that works with our guys and sets up their schedules. I mean, we graduate guys. I, I saw a note yesterday. I mean, we have 24 players playing in the NHL right now, you know, and a major portion of them either have their degrees or are working their degrees, and there's, a, mm-hmm. you know, these guys can come back. I mean, we've got the Vanicks and the Shays and people like that, Blake Wheeler, these guys are chomping or chipping away at their degrees right now. And, you know, they're making a lot of money in the NHL. So, I mean, that's what it's about. The life after hockey component is always front and center with Don. And, you know, that was part of his vision when he took the program is we're going to have quality young men that represent our university that are, you know, really, really good students. Do you think, I mean, you just laid out, Mike, all the accolades, all the Don's accomplishments. Do you think he might be more appreciated now that he's gone? I mean, you know this. He just he took far too much heat, even from, heck, people we know very well. You know, influential alumni. I mean, heck, forget fans. I mean, vested fans, if you want to call them that, or influential alumni, however you want to term it. But I'm just saying, for whatever reason, he took a lot of heat the last couple of years, maybe even going back three or four years, maybe five years, maybe longer than that. Maybe it's because he wasn't a gopher, you know, an M-man, whatever, whatever the reason, yeah. Mike. But, but I mean, you said it. I mean, heck, he will go down in history as the all-time winningest coach in gophers hockey history. That means something, winning multiple national championships. That means something, hanging all those conference championship banners. Mike, that means something. I'm just wondering if maybe he'll be more appreciated now than ever before. 
Well, I can tell you this. I'll go on record today and say that nobody will ever touch that 457 wins because I don't think anybody will ever outlast the length of time that Don was there. I mean, as you alluded to, I mean, it's a tough job. I mean, there's demands, there's expectations, there's wear down factor, there's a burnout factor after a while. I mean, it's very, very difficult. And, you know, to find the right guy that can hang in there that long. I mean, I was very fortunate. Two of my mentors have been Doug Lug and Don Lucia, and I've been very blessed to work with both of them. I've learned a lot from them. And I will tell you this, I, you know, whether it's a day, a week, a month, or six months, or a year later, both of those guys will be remembered because they were unbelievably good people. Uh, they did things the right way. Um, you know, Doug never won a national championship, but he played for it six times in ten years and in his first ten years in the program. And, and everybody loves Doug Lug, and everybody will love Don Lucia. It's just in the heat of the battle and in the moment, you know, there's that small percentage of people that want to pick and poke at, you know, Ultimately, you guys should be in a position to win it every two or three years, and you don't. It upsets people here. We realize we should be playing for it on a regular basis, but it's very hard. I mean, you've won five national championships in 90-plus years ago for hockey. That's not a, a great percentage. So we believe we should be in the field of 16, but to answer your question, I think everybody will reflect and say, Don was a hell of a coach at the U of M, and he left a hell of a large shoes for the next guy to go in there and fill. And, you know, he created some areas in our program that will be hard for people to, to continue to maintain unless they just establish those standards of excellence in, in the classroom and in their personal social conduct. And, you know, he has won two national championships, and there's only been two coaches in the history of the program that have ever won those championships in Minnesota, him and Herbie. So, I mean, it's, it's a hell of a job, and it's a hell of an opportunity. It's a large shoes to fill, I can tell you that. Did you work with Don 15 years, 16? What was the exact number, Mike? I worked for Don there for 16 of his 19 years, so, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. He kept me on when uh, he replaced Doug, and, you know, I, I had an opportunity to work for him for nine years and then uh, stepped away for three years and came back for seven years. So, you know, it was uh, it was good times, and, you know, we're very blessed to be able to be a part of 15 championship teams. And, you know, Don and I reflected the other day, I mean, the one thing when you win a championship, whether it's a regular season or playoff or even a national championship, at any point in your life, you can walk back into Mariucci and say, you know what, I was a part of that. I mean, it meant something. Mm-hmm. You look at a lot of teams that, you know, maybe have a good year and people are crediting a coach for having a tremendous job, doing a tremendous job and turning a team and having successes. But everybody forgets, unless you win a championship or you hang a banner, and Don has hung 15 of them in the roof of Mariucci Arena, and so whether it's he, I, or any of those kids that have ever played in any of those 15 years of teams, we'll always be able to come back and have good memories of the guys that we battled with and, and uh, we're able to accomplish that goal. And we all know what it like it felt like when we were able to achieve that goal that night or that game. And you can never replace that or take that away from anybody. Did you learn anything about Don, Mike, when he welcomed you back? I mean, some coaches would have been like, no, you left. Sorry, I'm not having you back. But he welcomed you back. You know what? What I learned is... Um, Don cares about the program. I learned that Don cared about the program seven years ago, and I learned on Monday that Don cares about the program. And you know what? The program, Doogie, is bigger than any one of us. I, it, it just it is, Gopher hockey is large. It's high expectations, high demands, but it is bigger than any one individual. And what I've learned is, is Don is, you know, it's nothing. He, he just would, would do whatever, whatever's good for the program, whatever's right for the program. And he felt seven years ago having me come back to the program was the right situation. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that it worked out. We had some tremendous success. We won the WCHA that first year back and played in the Frozen Corps in, in Tampa that, that spring. And, 
you know what, we had a lot of successes and we won a lot of games. And, you know, if there's things that we could change, sure there would be. But, you know, the reality is uh, I looked at it today and doing my own research for prep reasons. Uh, you know, we're, we're the seventh winningest team in college hockey the last seven years. We've got the best home record in college hockey the last 70, seven years, winning 75% of our home games. So there's a lot to be proud of. And, and quite honestly, the teams that have won six or seven more games than us, of the teams that have had a postseason success like Denver and some of those teams who've played a little bit deeper into the year. And that's, you know, the mission moving forward is to make sure Gopher Hockey gives himself a chance to be playing in these final one to four games that help you uh, become national champions. Mike, prepping for obvious reasons, I mean, how badly would you like this job? I mean, you think about your days as a player, your 16 years as a coach. I mean, nobody bleeds maroon and gold more than you do, Mike. Well, it's, you know what? It's a great question, dude. Yeah, I, I, I had five good years with Doug. I had 16 good years with Don. Um, I was fortunate enough to play four years with Brad Buto and captain the program. So I've spent almost half my life there. 25 years is a long time, and I've seen a lot of things. And, you know, let's, uh, let's be honest. I haven't been the number one guy sitting in the number one seat, but I've been in a really good position to be able to, to talk to a lot of people, develop a lot of relationships over the years see a lot of different programs from the outside looking at them as when I was at Minnesota and when I was in other programs or when I was not in college hockey and you know you learn a lot of things and you always prepare yourself for if you get the opportunity how would you do things differently or what would you do I mean you know it's a sensitive situation for me because some people at times say hey you're painted by this guy's brush or you're painted by that brush I'll never apologize for being painted by either one of the coaches I work for in brush I mean like I said before they're mentors of mine but um, you always when I hired people and, and when I was head coach, I hired them to either take my job or be prepared for the job that they get through the experiences of working with me. And you develop a philosophy, you develop your, your ideas and how you would do things, and when you get your own opportunity, you're ready to hit the ground running because you've learned and, and taken a lot of different things from different people. And um, I would do that uh, if given the opportunity, and, you know, it would mean a lot to me. Um, but that, you know, that's for somebody else to decide, and I'll try to do the best I can. I'll leave you with this, Mike. I cheated you out of a few years. So, yeah, I mean, half of your life has been devoted to Gophers hockey. Do you think it's important, is it important, that Mark Coyle hires an M-man? You know what? I will say this. I, I want Mark Coyle to hire the best guy capable of helping the Gopher hockey program be the number one program in college hockey. Do I believe we have some alumni that are in that position? Yes, I do. Um, I believe very strongly in the M. I do believe that Don... You know, took some grief over the years because he never wore the M and always tried to be, you know, as much of an M guy as he could. I mean, his, his kids went to school at our place. But if everything's equal, yeah, I'd love to see that be an M guy because I, I know what it means to our state and I know what it means to our alumni. Uh, and we really got to align that group as, as much as we can. But uh, let's hire the best guy that can help this program be the number one program in college hockey. How's Jake doing, by the way? Well, he had a good day yesterday, so it's you know it's kind of which day you want to follow him. I mean, they play pro hockey plays four times a week basically, so they <laughs> play Tuesday night and they don't look very good. And last night they played great, and he gets a goal and two assists and feels great about his game. So, you know, he's had a good year. It's uh, he's got 21 goals now, and you know he's got a chance to get 50 points. And for a 23 year old guy playing his first year in the full year in the NHL, I I think that would be a pretty darn good year. So. Uh, he had big shoes to fill this year and big expectations of what the success he had in the playoffs last year. I didn't know if it was sustainable, but, uh, you know, he's learned some things this year, and it's a tough league, and he reminds me of that a lot. If I ever get a little bit too much of a coach to him, he tells me all the time, Dad, it's a tough league, you know, and I just kind of 
puts me uh, back where I belong, I guess, in my own place. <laughs> Maybe i got to realize <laughs> it's a little bit tougher than sitting on the couch watching critique in this game. You know, as a whole, I would imagine Pittsburgh will flip a switch at some point here, right? I mean, they'll be fine. I don't even know what the standings are right now. I don't know if they're a top eight team in the East or not, but I imagine if they get in the playoffs, nobody wants to play them. Well, they have that, you know, that success of the last two years, which everybody knows. I mean, they've been there. They've done it. I mean, the question you ask yourself is, do they want to do it again? And do they have the stamina and the energy to do it again? And I'm sure the coaches wonder that on a daily basis. Uh, You know, they've proved themselves the last two years with, you know, additions and subtractions to their lineup, injuries throughout the playoffs. I mean, they lost a starting goalie last year in warm-ups before game one, and the backup came in and basically almost won them two series. And, And then the number one king guy came back. So, I've watched players get in and out of their lineup, be moved uh, because of salary cap reasons, new guys coming in, uh, players moving up and down the lineup that, you know, kind of stimulate other players' games. So they'll have a shot. They're right in the mix. I think there's eight games to go. They're a point out of first place in their division, but they're also about three points out of being uh, a wild card team playing the best team in the NHL in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, maybe five points out of probably a three-game losing streak of not even making the playoffs. So, you know, it's tough and tight here at the end, which it should be, and that's why NHL hockey so good. Thank you, Mike. All right, Doogie, all the best. Have a good one. Mike Gensel, who absolutely will get an interview, look for that interview to take place early next week. He will be in the mix to be the next Gophers men's hockey coach. I also hear that Grant Petoni will be in the mix. He was recruiting in Fargo on Thursday night, so he's not far from the Twin Cities, so he can make his way to the Twin Cities in the coming days as well to interview with Mark Coyle. Certainly Tom McGinnis, John Cunningham will be a part of the process, but this is Mark Coyle's baby. And I'm told Mark will absolutely wait for this weekend to play out. Who moves on? Who doesn't? St. Cloud, Mankato. You certainly reach out to Bob Motzko. Maybe you don't get Bob Motzko. My sense is Motzko would stay in St. Cloud. But hey, money talks. An offer he can't refuse could be thrown his way. But I do think Bob Motzko, you know, with it being his alma mater, I do think Bob loves it in St. Cloud. He's been there forever. And I do think Bob will continue to be the Huskies head coach. I had the news on Twitter earlier in the week. Ryan Lindgren signing with the New York Rangers. He is the first non-junior or senior to leave the Gophers since Nick Letty a number of years ago. So it's pretty rare for the Gophers to lose a freshman or sophomore, but they lose Ryan Lindgren to the pros. On Casey Middlestat, yes, Buffalo would love for him to sign. I am told no decision has been made. I checked again on Friday morning. It looks like a decision will be made next week. I was told sometime after the weekend a decision by Casey Middlestat will be made. Gophers men's basketball, a point guard from Virginia, Trey McGowan's announced on Twitter on Thursday night that he has been offered by the Gophers. I know he's visiting Georgia Tech upcoming. He actually can be either a 2018 player or a 2019 player. So that's up in the air. Does he reclassify? Does he become a 2018 player? Does he play another year at a military academy, then join the class of 2019? But the Gophers have made him in offer. The Gophers currently have one open scholarship. Could it be two? The one I'll continue to say is Devontae Fitzgerald. Now, Devontae can come back if he wants to, but it may be laid out to him that playing time would be limited. So the roster for the 2018-2019 season is still a bit in flux. Certainly they will add one player with the potential of adding a couple players. Ty Strickland, Rod Strickland's son, We'll visit the weekend of April 6th. He visited Wisconsin. 
last weekend. Wisconsin has been on him for a while. He visits Rutgers this weekend. The Gophers get the last visit. He tweeted he is down to three schools, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Minnesota. Certainly the Gophers can sell him on more immediate playing time, but because Wisconsin has been on him for so long, you do have to wonder if he is favoring Wisconsin. But again, getting that last visit is certainly a good thing. Richard Patino did some recruiting earlier in the week. He went to go see Ty Strickland early in the week. Then middle of the week, he was at Target Center to watch Daniel Oturu, who he knows will be on the team next year. He watched him in the state quarterfinals against Wyzetta. Oturu was so good that game. Eight blocked shots, nine rebounds, 24 points on 12 for 14 shooting. I'll continue to say that I think Daniel Oturu helps the Gophers immediately on defense. I think the offense has a little ways to go, but Daniel Oturu was wanted by Kansas. He was wanted by Michigan State. That is a big-time get by the Gophers. He will play right away, and I'm telling you, he is so good on defense that his defense should help the Gophers immediately next year. Also, Richard Pitino was at Target Center on Wednesday to watch Minnehaha sophomore class of 2020, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs recently was ranked the number two player in the country in the class of 2020 by 24-7 sports. He is in demand all over the place. He has a Gophers football offer. He's one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country in the class of 2020. also has an Iowa football offer and an Iowa State football offer. So he has those Power 5 football offers, and he has all these basketball offers. But when you're the number two player in the country in your class, you are on a path to be in the NBA. I would think he'll eventually decide to just go the basketball route. But that won't be next year. He'll play quarterback next year. So he doesn't need to make that decision right away. It will be tough for the Gophers to get Jalen Suggs, but hey, you have to try. The Gophers have reached out on a couple transfers. Ryan Taylor of Evansville, a grad transfer. Also Marcus Carr, a Pittsburgh transfer, a point guard. He led the Panthers in assists last year. He was a double-digit scorer. The Gophers actually had interest in him coming out of high school. So it makes logical sense that they would have some interest as he's transferring after his first year with the firing of the head coach there at Pittsburgh. I checked with Jordan Murphy's mom. Still no buzz about Jordan entering the draft without hiring an agent. I thought it might make some sense for him to go pay his own way to go work out for some teams just to get some feedback. But nothing so far on that front. I checked on how Amir Coffey is doing after his right shoulder surgery. I'm told he is doing well. The schedule for next year won't come out for a number of weeks, but we do know they'll have 10 home games and 10 away games in the Big Ten. They likely will be on the road for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They will have that game at U.S. Bank Stadium. I checked on that earlier in the week. It is still in the process of being set up. They are looking to bring in a name opponent for a non-conference game in November or December, more likely December, at U.S. Bank Stadium. A little dry run for the Final Four, which is at U.S. Bank Stadium in April of 2019. We also know the Gophers are committed to play in the Vancouver Showcase, a new event in Vancouver in November. The other teams in that showcase, Texas A&M, Washington, and Santa Clara. So they're guaranteed to play two of those three, Texas A&M, Washington, and Santa Clara. So the Gophers men's basketball schedule, just with the additional two conference games, should be challenging. It'll be a very interesting season next season for the Gophers. 
Certainly with Amir Coffey back, with Jordan Murphy back, Isaiah Washington, huge summer for him. He has to work 50 million times harder than he ever has. And I would hope it motivates him that the Gophers are looking to bring in another ball handler for next year, that they're not ready just to hand him the keys to being that main point guard. It'll be a very interesting year for so many people, including the head coach. I'm on record saying Richard Pitino absolutely has earned the 2018-2019 season. The recruiting class he has already brought in that he's adding to for next season is very, very good, but certainly the pressure is on Coach Pitino to win next year. If he doesn't, then Mark Coyle will have a very interesting decision to make come next March. Moving on to Gophers football. It's a big recruiting weekend. A number of recruits will be on campus this weekend. Tanner Morgan, the redshirt freshman, has been getting the first team reps at quarterback. Vic Veramontis is still learning the offense. Vic Veramontis will be in a position to win the job come summer camp. No decision will be made after spring practice. But I am told that Tanner Morgan looks good. Heck, he won at a big-time level in high school. Maybe doesn't have the great measurables that you're looking for. But I'm told he has that winning gene. So don't discount Tanner Morgan's chances. And a reminder, the Gophers in P.J. Flex offense are likely to use two quarterbacks. And it's hard for one quarterback to stay healthy for the entire season. So remember the name Tanner Morgan. Even if Vic Veramontis, the junior college quarterback, ends up winning the job. Also, don't sleep on the walk-on freshman, Zach Anikstead. Started at IMG Academy. I know one of the guys in town that he trains with. This guy just speaks the world of Zach. Zach had a chance to go to Pittsburgh on a scholarship, had other scholarship opportunities, said no to those scholarship opportunities to be a preferred walk-on. He's not ready to play right away. Ideally, you redshirt Zach this year. But I'm just saying, moving forward, do not discount that name. The future is bright for Zach Anikstead. Blake Cashman and Thomas Barber had the offseason surgeries, so they are not taking part in spring practice right now. Cole Kramer will be on campus this weekend, the quarterback commit from Eden Prairie. He was also at practice the other day with Benny Sapp, who joins the team upcoming here, and the head coach of Eden Prairie, Mike Grant. They were all spied at Tuesday's practice. Pro Day, as we've noted on this podcast, going back a number of weeks, is this upcoming Wednesday, March 28th. Brandon Lincoln, Wyzetta High School, good tight end when he's been healthy for the Gophers. Will not be taking part, just injuries have caught up to Brandon. So unfortunately, Brandon is not pursuing a pro career right now. I'm also told that Jonah Persig, who spent time last year with the Tennessee Titans from Blue Earth, coming out of high school, turned down Ohio State others to be a gopher, had a nice gopher's career. I am told Jonah Persig is walking away from football. He will pursue other opportunities. One other selfish note, it's great to see Tyler Johnson back on the field. He had that wrist surgery. He missed the last couple games of last year. Minneapolis North's own, such a good player. It is good to see him back out there. He is good to go. Let's move on to the Vikings. Vikings notes brought to you by, it is appropriate, Skull Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. They specialize in working with local small businesses. They are a locally owned company. They're run by two former Google employees, so they get it. Trust me, you don't just accidentally work for Google. These guys know what it takes to make your business successful. So if you're a small business owner, any sort of business owner, you want to utilize Skull Marketing, online skullmarketing.com, or you can call them for a free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKULL, 612-787-SKULL, or again online, skullmarketing.com. They work with your business in web development, advertising, social media management, so many more areas. Plus, more than anything, they want to make Google work for you. 
So when people are searching on Google, some type of business, your business should be the one that pops up before others. Why isn't it popping up before others? Well, these guys know how to make your business work on Google. Again, it is Skoll Marketing, SkollMarketing.com. The Vikings will host over 30 draft prospects April 3rd and 4th. Here is some of the list of guys that will be coming, and these are not announced. This is all from independent reporting, some by others, confirmed by me, some just by me, then confirmed by others. I just don't have time to go through each individual and say, okay, this person had this one, this person had that one. I did have about three or four or five of these, and others had a few others. Safety Justin Reed, he's from Stanford. Running back Naheem Hines from North Carolina State. Wide receiver Dante Pettis from Washington. Wide receiver Jeff Badette from Oklahoma. Linebacker Jack Sitchi, Hillmary High School, University of Wisconsin. Defensive tackle Nathan Shepard, he's from a small school. Offensive lineman Alex Kappa, he's from a small school. Offensive lineman J.C. Hassenauer from Alabama, he played his high school football at Eastridge. And cornerback slash safety Devontae Harris of Illinois State. Undoubtedly, this list will grow, and we will add to that list in coming podcasts or on Twitter, D Wolf's on KSTP. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were at Ohio State Pro Day earlier this week. Rick Spielman did spend some informal time with Ohio State offensive lineman Billy Price before the Vikings signed the pride of Rosemount, Tom Compton. They did have some talks with Jeremiah Searles, but he chose to go to Carolina. They did have some talks with Jack Muirhoot, who re-signed with Indianapolis. So had some dialogue with Billy Turner, Mountain View High School. He re-signed with the Broncos. So they bring in Tom Compton. Quick aside, back in 2014, I did a story. Tom had just made his first start for the Redskins the week before they played the Vikings. So I ended up connecting with Tom's mom and his sister at their Rosemount home, and they were a hoot. I've done God knows how many TV stories the last eight years. I mean, hundreds. And this was one that certainly sticks out because Karen Compton – And Tom Compton's sister were just so entertaining, so accommodating, but so entertaining. They had me in tears walking out of their house laughing so hard. So it's cool. It's coming full circle. Tom has been around the block. Falcons, Bears, Redskins, same draft class with the Redskins as Kirk Cousins. He knows Kirk Cousins well. He knows his role with the Vikings. In fact, I'm hoping to connect with Tom for TV's sake Later today, Friday, late afternoon, I know he was meeting with his real estate agent Friday afternoon. So depending on how long that meeting takes place, I may be connecting with Tom. I hope to connect with Tom, if not later on Friday, sometime in the coming days. Because after meeting his mom and sister, I have to imagine he is a bundle of joy as well. The Vikings remain interested in re-signing both Marcus Sherrills and Terrence Newman. They had no interest in retaining Emmanuel Lemur who signed with the Raiders. They had no interest in retaining Tom Johnson, who signed with the Seahawks. And again, they did have some interest in retaining Jeremiah Searles, but it looks like he has a chance to win a starting job in Carolina. Other Vikings notes I have scribbled all over the place on this paper. There's a chance that John Kelly, a running back from Tennessee, will be added to the draft visitor list. Adam Zimmer, Mike's son, the linebackers coach, was at USC Pro Day a couple days ago. George Edwards, Vikings defensive coordinator, was at Georgia Pro Day. The Vikings had a scout at South Carolina Pro Day the other day, and they saw Division II wide receiver Vincent Smith from Limestone College. They saw him put on a show, 6'2", 190 pounds. He ran a 4'3", 6". I know the Vikings scout, after the workout, grabbed Vincent's number 
and he said, I'll be in touch. So the Vikings are intrigued after watching that workout from Division II wide receiver Vincent Smith. On Mike Remmers, I still get the sense the Vikings like him at guard, but nothing has been finalized as of yet. They are still ranking the offensive linemen for this draft class. They love offensive linemen who have position flexibility. So if they end up taking a guy relatively high that maybe is better at right tackle and guard, then Mike Remmers can play right guard. He can fill the Joe Berger role, Nick Easton at left guard. Heck, they still love Rashad Hill. So they have some flexibility, but I do think they will go relatively high in the draft. If not with their first pick, one of their first couple picks, they will go offensive lineman. But depending on who they like the best, who is available, that will determine where Mike Remmers eventually moves because Mike Remmers does have that position flexibility, guard or right tackle. But I'm telling you, I know they like him at right guard. Been asked a lot on Twitter if the Vikings had interest in EJ Gaines, maybe the best cornerback still available, although it looks like as of Friday afternoon, he was going to sign with Cleveland. I am told, no, the Vikings never inquired about Gaines. I'm also continually asked about Bryce Callahan, the cornerback from Chicago. I am told from a source close to Callahan, there's no new news to report. Yes, the Vikings did inquire, and yes, the Bears can match any offer. So there is a belief that the Bears like him enough that the Bears would match an offer. So the Vikings are not close to adding any outside cornerback. Again, they have interest in retaining their own free agent cornerbacks, Marcus Sherrills and Terrence Newman. On the Twins, I said on Mackie and Judd on Friday afternoon that I can see them making a move this weekend or early next week. So maybe the 25th man on their opening day roster isn't currently on the roster. I do know that Mike Napoli's camp has reached out to the Twins. No word back from the Twins yet, but there are a number of agents reaching out to the Twins saying, hey, do you have interest in my guy? Hey, what about this guy? So I would not be shocked if the Twins add a guy. I heard Dan Hayes of The Athletic on with Mackie and Judd on Friday. He made a good point about Devin Marrero of the Red Sox, who is out of options. So if he doesn't make the Red Sox, what about Marrero as an option for the Twins? So I'm just saying there are any number of guys that will be let go in the next 48 to 72 to 96 hours that could pique the Twins' interest. Listening to Thad Levine on this podcast last week, reading between the lines a little bit, late April, early May is pretty aggressive for Irvin Santana. Thad was saying with the addition of Lance Lynn, the Twins can be a little bit more cautious, conservative on the rehab for Irvin Santana. He's not playing catch yet. The hope is Middle of next week, late next week, he can play catch. Now, Irvin can get ready pretty quick, but I do think May 1st is really aggressive for Irvin Santana. I think we're looking at more like mid-May, maybe even late May, for Irvin Santana's return to the Twins rotation. The Rays never had a chance to claim Kenny Vargas. They were a popular Twitter destination for Kenny Vargas. Well, guess what? The Rays actually had no interest in Kenny Vargas. So even though there was a lot of speculation that the Rays would have interest in Kenny Vargas, I am told no. But the Reds were higher up in the pecking order for waiver claim priority. So the Cincinnati Reds grabbed Kenny Vargas. As of Friday afternoon, early afternoon, Ryan Lamar, the outfielder, was still in camp with the Twins. But if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I am told he will accept an invitation to play at AAA. So he could opt out of his contract, but he is okay starting the year at AAA, but that's a name to remember for some point during the season that he would be up. I mean, if Max Kepler gets hurt or they just need an extra body or if Eddie Rosario gets hurt, you name the outfielder. Remember the name, Ryan Lamar. All right, let's finish with the Wolves slash miscellaneous notes. Maybe I'll even begin on miscellaneous notes on Quinn Carroll, the Edina offensive lineman, 2019 class. 
the Gophers have a chance. They absolutely have a chance. I've said for a long time he really likes P.J. Fleck, but I'll continue to say that Notre Dame will be tough to top on that recruitment front. Brian Pauga of the Wolves' front office was in Dallas last week for first-round games, NCAA games. Who was there? It was Florida. It was Texas Tech. It was Miami. Probably the best NBA prospect in Dallas was Walker, the point guard, the freshman point guard from Miami. Bruce Brown is an interesting prospect from Miami. He is going to enter his name into the draft but not hire an agent, but he was hurt. He had a really good game at Williams Arena against the Gophers back in November. Six 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 seven. I mean, he just he has this NBA body. He has to work in his shot a little bit, but he plays defense. He can do a lot of good things. That's a name to watch. Bruce Brown, if the Wolves are looking for a wing. Derrick Rose is not on the Wolves' trip right now, so he won't play in New York, won't play in Philadelphia, but I'm told they have told some agents. Some agents have reached out to the Wolves saying, hey, are you looking to add somebody? Hey, you might be without Derrick Rose for a while. They have told those agents that they think Derrick Rose will be okay in due time, that this is not a long-term injury. Jimmy Butler continues to be doing well. I will continue to say that I see Jimmy Butler playing before the season is over, maybe even the regular season, maybe even early April. So maybe he's back for the last few games of the regular season and can ramp things up even more when the Wolves make the playoffs. And yes, I do think the Wolves are making the playoffs. I've been asked a lot about Justin Patton. He continues to play pretty well at Iowa. I think there's a chance that he impacts the Wolves next year. It won't be this year, but next year. It's what Glenn Taylor said on this podcast going back about four, five, six weeks. Justin Patton is still an intriguing name. I don't think it's fair to compare Justin right now to Adebayo, who the Wolves really liked, who's having a good rookie year for Miami, or Collins from Atlanta, who's having a real good year rookie year. I mean, there's a lot of guys having good years that were taken after Patton, Kuzma. Let's give Patton a chance before we write the final chapter on Justin Patton. Also, it was interesting the other day at Target Center to watch Sean Kilpatrick have a good game for the Clippers. A reminder, his camp reached out to the Wolves. The Wolves did not have interest in Kilpatrick. The word was, if the Wolves were to add anyone, and they eventually did, add Derrick Rose. It was going to be somebody that Tom Thibodeau had a history with. That in season, it's just too difficult to pick up everything that Tibbs is trying to coach offensively and defensively, that that's something you would do in the offseason in a training camp type setting, that it didn't make sense to bring in Sean Kilpatrick because he didn't have history with Tom Thibodeau. But regardless, he is helping out the L.A. Clippers. All right, that'll do it. I don't have anything too pressing on the wild or anything else. So I think we'll call it a podcast right now at the 45-minute mark. Always appreciate you listening. Please support Indochino for a suit, Indochino.com. Skull Marketing for all your business needs. They can help you grow your business. If you're a business owner, reach out to Skull Marketing. For more, SkullMarketing.com. And I'm telling you, Indochino makes top-notch suits. Guys, I'm telling you, if you need a suit, check out Indochino.com. You use the promo code SCOOP, and you get a really nice suit, a premium suit, for $379. It is Indochino.com. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 135. I'll likely be back late next week. We're bailing out of town. Got somebody staying at the house and all that. But we're bailing out of town for a few days. It's my older son's spring break. So I'm out of the office for a few days. We're back next week, late next week. So I think I'll bring another podcast your way late next week.